Welcome to the Shakeout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Over the weekend, the running world watched as two enormous barriers came crashing down. On Friday night in Vienna, Eliud Kipchoge became the first person ever to run under two hours in the marathon. Then, on Sunday, Bridget Koskai demolished Paula Radcliffe's 16-year-old women's marathon world record. Plus, there were a number of other exciting North American road, cross-country, and trail results. With so many thrilling events taking place in such a short time, this week we've decided to bring you two episodes. Today is an extended version of the rundown, covering all the excitement from the last few days. Stay tuned for another episode coming out later this week, featuring Sam Effa and Sarah Wells, Canadian track stars and finalists on The Amazing Race Canada. But first, staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you all the results, controversy and inspiration from the last week. This is The Rundown. So I made myself a really delicious smoothie today that Mm -hmm. is in honor of it both being Thanksgiving this past weekend Mm -hmm. and then also Halloween right around the corner. Mm -hmm. And I love this time of year for so many reasons. I just came back from the most beautiful run. But I also love it because everything tastes like pumpkin and I'm a big pumpkin fan. True. So I made myself basically a pumpkin pie smoothie with vanilla protein powder and pumpkin puree and a bunch of pumpkin pie spice, and it turned out really well. Love that. I know. So happy belated Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too, Kate. Thank you. I had a lovely weekend. Me too. Yeah, you had a busy weekend. Yeah. So you were at, we mentioned this last week, our good friend Charles Philibert Thibodeau's wedding. Mm-hmm. I was. It was a so, blast. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, but you are also having to <laughs> take lots of breaks away from the fun and festivities to cover all of the craziness that happened on the roads this weekend. I know. The news never sleeps, ladies and gentlemen. So it's funny because, first of all, you did a great job. Thank you. You're welcome. And second of all, um, after last week when we were doing our world championship track wrap up, I was like, oh man, this is great. The rundown is going to become a little more concise moving forward. It's going to be a little more straightforward for the next couple months because there's no track to talk about. Boy, was I misinformed about that. I know. No, this is like, this weekend was insane. And last weekend was insane. And the weekend before that was insane. And then this coming weekend is Scotiabank, which is also insane. And it just, like, September and October running been the months of running in 2019. It's been really, really thrilling. Really thrilling. Thrilling. Controversial. Yeah unexpected unexpected yeah no there's 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 so much to cover so kate so maddie let's get into it let's do it in fact just on that note i will say this has actually been the most amazing months of running that i can remember in a long time and i think that a testament to that is the fact that former u.s president barack obama was tweeting about running this week he was very excitedly yeah and not just one running event but two Mm mm-hmm so let's get into them. Yeah. Running has certainly reached the public consciousness. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. We got to start with Ineos 159. Yeah, we got to start at the beginning, as they say. So human beings can run under two hours for the marathon. Well, at least one human being can. 
at least one human being can. I think there's more than one human being that could in those circumstances. Elliot Kipchoge believes that there's more than one human being that could and probably will. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, he was the first one to do it and he was the trailblazer. But I think that this will, you know, like with all things, become increasingly more common. But you you, you gotta, someone's gotta do it first. Yep. And he was the one who did it first. Yep. So kudos, Elliot Kipchoge on running 159.40. 442.2 kilometers. It's really hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. Um, and we knew that this was a possibility. A strong possibility. Oh, yeah. This was his I, second I attempt. Been, frankly, I would have been very surprised had it not happened. Because right. it is. It's the second time. They learned a lot from the first time around. There were 41 pacers that moved in and out in V formation. There were multiple people on bikes, with computers, with nutrition. There was an unprecedented shoe warrant. There was a hologram on the sidewalk to show them exactly the pace that they had to run. Each team of pacers had a captain so that no one got up to any funny business. Mind you, I don't know what funny business you could have gotten up to because you would have felt like the biggest bozo if you ruined the 159 attempt. So, first of all, fabulous overview. You just covered pretty much everything that I had written to talk about for this. Way to go. And again, as usual, you're referencing nothing. You're just pulling this out of your head. Um, But on that note, so full disclosure, I did not get up at 2.30 in the morning Eastern Standard Time on Friday night to watch this. You know what? Understandable. Um, However, from pretty much the moment I woke up on Saturday morning and saw the news, I was getting super nerdy about it, watching videos and analyses Mm -hmm. and all these things. Mm -hmm. So there's this one video of him where the Pacers are doing their switch off. And I, it must not have been a huge deal because no one talked about it. But in that video, you can see one of the Pacers moving out as another one's moving in and Kipchoge almost trips over one of them. I know. Yeah, it's true. And he he actually stumbles. They make contact. Yeah. Yeah. And it was at like 30K. Like we're getting down to crunch time. Yep. And it was a little bit dicey. It was. And I had that exact thought watching that. I was like, because I already knew the results. So thankfully, I knew that everything turned out fine. Mm-hmm. But I was like, can you imagine being that guy? Well, I was also selfishly, I was like, I did not get up this early to see this not happen. Fair. But. Yes. <laughs> that's, Maddie Kelly would have been really peed that's, off. That's that neither night. here nor yeah. there. But they they recovered. They recovered. Yeah. They and they had job. like they had time to spare. Like he was coming down, you know, like the last four hundred meters. He's fist, fist pumping. pumping. He's so excited. Okay, so that's the other big thing that was different this time that I can't help but think would have made a huge difference. So when they did this first You're talking break- about the spectators? Yes. Yes. When they did this first breaking two attempt in Monza, Italy, they it was a completely closed course. Not only in that it was on an actual like racetrack, mm-hmm. but they didn't allow any any spectators. There were like 40 people on the side and they were all part of the project. Mm-hmm. So talk about removing a huge element of motivation and adrenaline mm-hmm. from the equation. Mm-hmm. And when you see videos of this race, the Ineos 159, this challenge, it's like... There are over 20,000 people there. Over 20,000 people. And they're lining. Of course, it's a pretty small course, so it'd mm-hmm. be easy to line it. But the energy was, the, the noise was nonstop. It was so loud. And that's what all the pacers were saying. It was yeah. so loud. And also, this, the time for this race. So there was initially a 10-day window, and then it was a three-day window. And then the actual time for the event to start was only announced 
only about 12 hours before the actual race, meaning that these people had next to no notice. Right. So I think these were just fans who said, listen, I'm booking off the weekend. We're going to see this happen. Yep. And they did. And then on top of that, you know, I know that um, like for lots of people, it was a convenient time to watch. But even if it wasn't, there was upwards of 800,000 people on the feed just on YouTube. Right. And there were multiple feeds. Right. That's it's remarkable mm-hmm. um, and understandable. Again, this was, you know, we talked about this last week, but this is unprecedented running history. So the only thing about this that. Again, there were a million things about this event that were different from a normal race. So obviously, this does not count as an actual official world record. But the one big piece of controversy that came out of this was the shoe. And so this isn't the first time the shoe has caused controversy. No. However, when a leap like this has been made, which is nearly two minutes better than the official world record, it gives people pause for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's hard to know how much those other factors would contribute to it versus the shoe. And because we don't have any we don't have any direct comparison of those things. No. There's never been a time where those factors happened minus the shoes. But I gotta think that they helped. <laughs> I gotta think that they helped. But then here's my question. Does it matter that they're helping? Because I think it's pretty undeniable at this point that they're helping. But like when we went to Mondo Tracks or, you know, not even Mondo, but when we went, you know, from cinder tracks to rubber tracks, people got way faster. You know, like there are, there are these advances all the time in technology that are allowing people to run better, swim faster, throw farther, you know, whatever your sport is. No, it's true. And I think t- to that point, Maddie, anytime there's um, a new technological innovation, there's a lot of hesitance around it. Totally. Um, and then it just becomes accepted and mainstreamed, and then it's not a big deal anymore. I mean, there's conversations like that all the time. Okay, we don't allow doping. We don't allow you to put something in your body that it doesn't naturally produce, except in certain circumstances. Um, I sleep in an altitude tent. Is that an advantage? Sure. Is it legal? Sure. Yeah. Are the shoes legal right now? Yes. So the shoes are legal right now, and I sort of like – I sit on – I can pretty easily put myself on either side of this argument because at one point, like if you read the IAAF rules about shoes, these shoes feel out of the question, totally wrong, illegal, right. cheating, non-compliant. non-compliant, 100%. Yeah. Like it doesn't take a genius to read <laughs> those regulations and think, okay, yeah, so there's no way that these shoes make sense. Right. But is it time that that rule changes then? I don't know because I like an event like this, like running's having a real moment right now. People really care about it. People who are not runners really care about it. They think it's cool. They're into it. Is this good for the sport? Right. Like in some ways, the shoe is making running as exciting as it is right now. Yeah. And it's talked about mainstream. And is this just, is it just time to accept this new technology as opposed to fighting it? Or is this like, you know, the Speedo swimsuit right. a few years ago and, and it's just, and it's just not fair. Yep. Listeners, we would love for you to tweet at us with your thoughts on this because everyone seems to have an opinion and lots of people like sharing them on the internet. So <laughs> so take to your keyboards. We very hesitantly open up the floor to you, listeners. Mm-hmm. Let's hear your thoughts on this. Because anyway, we don't have an answer. We don't. But at the end of the day, Elliot Kipchoge proved that no human is limited. And it was a pretty, pretty cool thing to happen. And if I was a betting woman, I would say that she wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. 
I would agree with that. So Ineos 159 wasn't the only place where absolutely ridiculous barriers got smashed over the weekend. Bridget Koskai obliterated, I think, the most difficult record in the books, which was the women's marathon world record. No woman has even come, like since Mary Katani, who ran the women's only world record, which is a 217.01, no woman has even come close to Paula Radcliffe's 215. 25. 25 in years. 16 years. 16 years. And when that happened, yeah, basically everyone thought after Paula Radcliffe ran that time that it would stand for decades. Mm -hmm. It was so far and above beyond what any other woman had done previously or since, to your point. So Bridget Cosguy, um, if there was going to be someone to do it, though, not surprised that it's her. Oh, no. She's had an incredible year. She's been like completely unbeatable. A couple really incredible years, mm-hmm. including running the unofficial world record in the half marathon yeah. just a month ago. I know. Point to point course, so it can't be ratified. Right. But still, the the mm, I mean, I guess I haven't looked at all of like the point to point best times ever on a half marathon course for a woman, but it's for sure one of the fastest ever half Absolutely. marathons run. Absolutely. So a little context here. In September, Bridget Cosguy runs the half marathon in 104.51. And when she ran this record on the weekend at Chicago of 214.04, her half marathon splits were 66.59 and 67.05. So a six-second differential between those two. And let me just say, 67 minutes for a half marathon is something that I guarantee you every woman in the world would love to be able to do just for the half. She did it twice. Also, super fun fact from kilometer 30 to 35, her and Mo Farah for that 5K, only four seconds apart. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's outrageous. Mo also had a rough day, but a rough day for Mo Farah is coming through in sub 210. So (laughs) yeah, but like so crazy that like, there was a woman on that course who was less than five minutes behind Mo Farah. Yep, absolutely. And like, bad day or not, you've won like a bazillion Olympic and World Championship medals. Right. Yep. Pretty, pretty, pretty good runner. Pretty good runner. Yeah. Um, so that was unbelievable. Most She ran most of it by herself, too, other than her pacers. I yeah. Mean, there was and no they, one dropped, else. they dropped at like 30K. Yeah. Total no. war of attrition. That was remarkable. Completely amazing run. And so I, the feed I was watching had no commentating, um, except, but it could like pick up like what spectators were saying. Yeah, yeah. And just like one of the snippets I heard was a spectator, and he goes, "This is this is like pretty early on because everyone sees that she's running this like insane pace early right. on, yeah. and they're like, well, this isn't gonna last.'" And he goes, either she obliterates the world record or she drops out crying. And this is this is like seven <laughs> K into the race. And wow. I was like, honestly, probably probably the latter. Yeah. 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 And uh then she doesn't. She did obliterate the world record, but I feel like in that first fifteen K, everyone just thought she had lost her marbles. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly had not. Mm-hmm. There were lots of interesting things that came out of Chicago outside of just Ms. Koskai. So The overall race for the men, very different from the women, absolutely thrilling sprint finish. There were, what, three seconds, four seconds that separated first and third? Yeah. And they were were all together. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole time. The whole time. It was like, and again, not 
to be too hard on the Enios 159. They're just such different things. Like they're right. both technically marathons, but like they're completely different animals yep. because like in this race, you know, like they're so, yes, they only run 205, but they're, I can't believe I'm saying only run 205. Yeah. <laughs> they run 205, but there are so many tactics at play and there's money on, you know, like there's yeah, so yeah. many other things happening that they're almost, they're, it's apples and oranges. A tactical 205. That was yeah. Lawrence Chirono of Kenya. Uh, over Dejene Debella and Asefa Mengstu. Um, 205.45 and 205.48 was the spread for those three men. And then the other cool storyline is that there were 10 American men who finished under 212, which yeah. makes it arguably the deepest American field in a marathon in recent history. Yeah. And so 211.30 is the men's Olympic standard. So now there's like, like a smattering of American men who have run Olympic standard ahead of the Olympic marathon trials right. in February in Atlanta, which like the American on both the men's and women's side, the American marathon trials are going to be insane. Absolutely. And the course ridiculous. is insane. Yeah. And the whole, like, it's just going to be a truly thrilling event because like that team is so far from on lock. Like there are so oh, yeah. many different combinations of people who could end up on that team. And the cool thing is a lot of them are like kind of new names. Right. Especially on the women's side, because like those, you know, those strongholds, like your Amy Craig's, your Shalane's, your Kara Goucher's, you know, like all of these women have have moved on from elite marathoning. Anyway, so it'll be it'll be a lot, especially on the women's side, it'll be some new faces. And there are a few men who are more experienced, but then there's like a lot of these less experienced marathoners who just ran standard. That's really exciting. Uh, speaking of Americans, though, not a great day for the former Nike Oregon project, which no longer exists. I was about to say, we didn't talk about that because it happened after we released the last rundown, but yep. Nike has pulled the plug. So we've kind of avoided talking about this controversy in our last few episodes, even though it's been swirling. But it's just such an important piece of running news. I think we have to talk about it. So Alberto Salazar, a longtime coach of the Nike Oregon Project um, and long controversy embroiled person, yes, has finally been handed a four-year ban from the sport. So he cannot coach for or I don't think have contact with athletes for the next four years. He cannot attend major events in the stadiums. Um, and this is all because he was caught on three different infractions uh, involving microdosing testosterone, transportation of testosterone. Um, now, he was caught essentially for flying too close to the sun. Yes. Good reference, Maddie. Thank you. Nice little reference to It's not Icarus. the first time I've used it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very accurate in this case. Because none of his athletes ever tested positive. Right. Although many of his former athletes, like former even before the disintegration of this project, talked about all the really sort of non-kosher ways that he went about uh, suggesting that his athletes do certain things. And it's very difficult for USADA to get a ban, and they did, which suggests to me that it's legit. Mm -hmm. So I'm by no way diminishing, you know, these various whistleblowers. No. But the facts are that he has never had an athlete test positive. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Three of two of his more recent athletes and one former athlete competed in Chicago. Galen Rupp and Jordan Hesse, um, and Mo Farah actually all had pretty high expectations placed on them. Mo is coming in as a defending champion. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Jordan Hesse ran a 220 marathon two years ago. He has the second fastest American marathoner. And fastest debut ever. Yeah. Um, and of course, Galen Rupp has been on the scene and dominating for years. And so there were big expectations for all three of them. Rupp and Hesse both dropped out. And Mo Farah did Hase not have dropped a great out at like, like 5K or like something, not, 7K. Yeah, yeah. she, she yeah. must have dropped out right after 5K. Rot made it further. He made it closer to 30K, but then he dropped and Farah finished, but it wasn't great. Yep. So not totally surprising when there's all this controversy surrounding your coach when your support team has been pulled out from under you, essentially. Whether or not it was warranted, still really tough on these athletes, I think. And ending on a good note. We had one Canadian elite, Natasha Labode, competing, and she finished in 245-47. We actually had a lot of really great Canadian performances at this race. Yeah, congrats, Natasha. Yeah, way to go. So there was also the Victoria and Quebec City marathons that took place over the weekend. This was a huge marathon weekend. So Victoria was celebrating its 40th anniversary, and I think both races are absolutely stunning. It's a beautiful time of year in both yeah. of those cities, and they're just really pretty cities in general. Mm-hmm. So on in Victoria, Eric Finnan and Andrea Lee both won the marathon distances. Will Norris and Cleo Boyd were the half marathon winners, and then there were two course records set in the 8K. So Justin Kent ran 23.14, and Sarah Inglis, who's had a fantastic year, yeah. ran 25.43. Mm-hmm. Way to go, guys. And great race weekend. So another interesting world record that was set over the weekend was... I think... Okay. Sorry to cut you off. It's okay. I saw a lot of people backwards running on Sunday in Quebec City. In the race? In the race. Multiple people. forgot to land that. Multiple people backwards running the race. Really? Yeah. Like a group of backwards runners. Is this like a club? Is there like a team now? I don't know. A backwards run club? I wish they entered differently. Yeah. Like I wish. Its own division. You know how like, you know, like Evan walks marathons sometimes. Right. Like I wish next to his name, it said like walked this, like whatever. He walks a marathon. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. But like walked this or like backwards ran this. Yeah. Because there were lots of them. That's So it's catching on. It's catching on. Fantastic. So... (laughs) The story I was going to talk about was Chantelle Gaston Hurd, who is a woman from the UK, set the unofficial Guinness World Record mm-hmm. for being the fastest female ever to run that distance backwards. We're not talking about like run the course the wrong way. We're talking about physically your body is going backwards and yeah. you're running a half marathon. And she ran 216.03 backwards. She has kind of popularized this thing. It sounds really weird to me, but she claims that it is great for your body because you're using your muscles in different ways than you're used to when you're going forward. And she said that she just wanted to try something different. She used to be a roller derby athlete. Uh, it sounds like, and she's done like a bunch of forward facing marathons, including ultras. And uh, she wanted to try something different. And so she has started running backwards. And apparently it's a real thing because there was already a Guinness world record for this set by a woman named Justine Galloway. And Chantel and Justine have been trading this world record back and forth for the last three or four years. Also, fun fact, backwards running referred to in Europe as retro Retro. running. I know. Chicka, chicka, yeah. So I know. And there's got to be something to that. Chantel's competing in the retro running world championships, which Mm -hmm. are coming up. 
And I think that a precursor to competing in that would be you have to completely come decked out in retro gear. Yeah. And play retro music. 100%. percent got to kind of lean into this a little bit. You would have to put like a stipulation on like what retro means. Like you would have to give it some parameters because it's a pretty broad term. Yeah. But yeah, it could be really fun. Yeah, really would be. Well, a really normal but really exciting race that is coming up this weekend, of course, is Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. Pew, pew, pew. Oh, my gosh. So excited. Um, So we're not going to go through the full preview right now because there's just way too much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. But however, Kate, Maddie, here's your I want your prediction for top two men and top two Canadian, like top two Canadian men, top two Canadian women with time. Oh, geez. Put me on the spot. Yeah. All right. I got to go Cam Levins. Okay. Um, Time. New Canadian record or no? I, I'm I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say no. She's a realist, folks. Um, But I, would I love to see it? Yes. Do mm-hmm. I think it could happen? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on Cam at the moment. I think when it's an Olympic trials, there's a little bit, it becomes a little more tactical. There's a little more on the line. He's just got to run standard because he doesn't have standard. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be a fantastic goal. Mm-hmm. Be the top Canadian. Be the top Canadian run standard. Run standard. And his his uh, current Canadian record is just over two minutes faster than standard. Right. So, yeah. well, he's got a cushion. Yeah. yeah. Second place man time. I'm going to leave that one to you. What um, do you think? I'm going Evan Esslink. Oh, Second. yeah. Bold. Okay. A debut. Yeah. But he's run the fourth fastest half marathon ever of a Canadian. And he hasn't raced that much since, which can be one of two things. Either he's injured, yeah, which I hope is not the case, or he's really rested yeah. and he's ready to go. Nice. And I just think his half marathon was super promising. It is his debut, but you know, if 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 you're ready to roll, you're ready to roll. So, that's that's my that's my men's prediction on the women's side. I don't know who's going to take it between I think it's Kinsey or Melindy. I don't know which one it is. I think they're both probably going to run similar times. Yeah. I think they're both going to run standard. Yeah. I don't know who wins. Okay. I would agree with that. Yeah. That is, I think that's a very safe analysis. Mm-hmm. But regardless, we will be bringing you so much fun action this weekend. Maddie's going to be writing up a storm. I'm going to be chatting up a storm at the finish line, mm-hmm. doing live interviews of our elites when they cross. I will be on a red bike just zooming around that course. Zooming around. Yeah. So if you're out there, whether you're racing or not, if you're out in Toronto on Sunday morning, give a little wave to Maddie as she zooms by you on her red bike. All right, moving on to the cross country course. Cross country. There were three big meets mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. There was the Interlog XC Invitational in Montreal, which had like every team east of Toronto run right. at it. It was literally like... This half of Canada, you will compete against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reals who's who, eh? Yeah, like it was it a was... reals who's who. The Laval men did super well, and on the women's side, I think the Queens women are gonna—they're gonna win that long-awaited title because I think? think they've got like to win this meet without their two heaviest hitters. Yeah, the McDougal sisters were not in that they race. Were not, yeah, and they and still they won. still won, putting two women in the top three. I think they, they have a really, really deep roster. Yeah. I think they're going to do it, barring, like, you know, disaster. Because right. they've had the horses to do it for many, many years. But I think this year's the year. 
Awesome. That's my hot take from the uh, east. I like from that eastern hot take. Canada or relatively eastern Canada. Right. Um, east for these purposes. East for these purposes. There was a meet in Hamilton, the Bayfront Invitational. The McMaster men took it on their home course. Go Mac. That's always great. Mm-hmm. It feels good. And race in Idaho and the Dinos men, which are Pennock, Matt Travaglini, Alex James, Stefan Daniel, Russell Pennock. So these four, like, I think, okay, my it's, it's the Queens women and the Dino men. Oh, I yeah. think the Dino men are going to take it a second year in a row. They're way stronger than anyone else. These four guys keep running together and finishing together. Yeah, and if, as long cool. as their fifth guy performs, I think I think they both have it on lock. Because this isn't the first time that those four have crossed the finish line together. Literally together. Less than a second separated them. Yeah. And in that race, the Dinos women came third. Kudos. Fun bus ride home. Yeah, absolutely. With all of your hardware in tow. Hardware and dirty, dirty spikes. I really miss cross country. There are parts of it that were nice, and there's a lot of it I hated. But. And finally, in trail news, there were two big races of note this weekend. The first was the Bromont Ultra in Quebec, and Tori Schultz has done a great compilation of all the results. So go to the trail tab on runningmagazine.ca and check out all of the excitement and results from Quebec. There are some really exciting things in Quebec this weekend. Yeah, no kidding. Marathons, trail races, weddings. It was, Quebec was the place to be. Ooh la la. Other than like Vienna and Chicago. Right. And Victoria. <laughs> there were, you could, you could have gone a lot of places and had fun this weekend. Oh, Absolutely. and it was Thanksgiving. So right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the other exciting race was the Moab 240. So this is a 240 mile foot race that takes place. It starts and ends in Moab, Utah. The cutoff for this race is 112 hours. So, you know, make sure you get it in under that. That's 112 hours of moving almost the whole time. Oh my gosh. 29, over 29,000 feet of ascent in this race. Um, and it's just one giant loop. There's no repetition. So if you get lost or stuck out somewhere on that course, um, things could turn pretty ugly. And that's exactly what our story is about because David Goggins, who is a very well-renowned trail runner, very experienced. So Maddie, we've talked about this before with our trail stories where when you're running a road race, it's almost impossible to go the wrong way. Yeah, it got to be a bit of a bozo. Right. Or like something. Yeah, something just has to go very wrong. Or, but like, or if like the cyclist goes the wrong right, way. Yeah. Right. But, but they're like, there has to be a mistake. Exactly. There's a, usually a pace vehicle, whether it's an actual car or a bike. There's if you're lots of people around. there's a hologram. Right. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we all had holograms as our mm-hmm. pacers? Um, but the point is the course is well-defined and it's hard to veer off. Not true in a 240-mile race. There are some wrong turns that could be taken. So David Goggins is in second place at this Moab 240. All right. Got it. And he's cruising along like a boss. Mm-hmm. And at some point, something goes wrong. And dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. he ends up 18 miles Shh. off course. Shoot. So this That's race is so already far. <laughs> I mean, 18 miles is the longest I've ever run in one time. That was oh, his detour. And I've never run that far. <laughs> so he ends up 18 miles off course, drops, finds his way back onto the course, ends up. So by the time he's get back on course, he's dropped from second to 75th place. Yeah, was a- Over the course of the next several miles, he claws his way back up to ninth. So can you imagine? He's already gone 18 miles off course, and now he's passing people 
to get back up into ninth place. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a real story of overcoming. Unfortunately, um, at about mile 200, he was forced to stop. And for good reason, he was actually having a high altitude pulmonary edema. Oh geez. And is now in hospital getting treatment. But he's doing okay. All accounts say he's fine. He's going to, he's expected to have a full recovery. In fact, while he's sitting in his hospital bed, he's pleading with the race director to bend the rules and let him finish the race, even though he has stopped. And she said, no, we don't think that is right for your health and safety, which it turns out is true. Please come back next year. Please come back next year. We hope he will. We're sure that his story is far from over in terms of his dominance on the trails. But David Goggins, you are a badass. So marathon madness last weekend, even more to come this coming weekend. Please do tune in regularly to runningmagazine.ca. Maddie will be providing fantastic updates and social media coverage of STWM because it's going to be a thrilling event. For October 15th, I am Kate. And I am Maddie. And we will chat with you next week. 